Welcome back to another episode of One Championship Repeat, Boston Sports Podcast. Now, in this week's episode, we are going to be discussing the Patriots' victory against uh, the Buffalo Bills in a game that most people, including myself, thought would be a loss. Um, we also will be discussing the Celtics' uh, first game of the season, looking at Porzingis and his game, uh, Drew Holiday and his game, and also comparing uh, all of that to the games of... Um, the uh, players that got uh, traded away or free agent signings such as Grant Williams, Marcus Smart, uh, Brogdon, uh, Robert Williams um, in their first uh, games of the season. So we'll talk about that. And then the uh, Red Sox and their signing of a new general manager. So uh, let's go from there. So the New England Patriots played uh, against the Buffalo Bills in a game that many, including myself, thought would be a pretty easy victory for the Buffalo Bills. And I expected... Uh, Buffalo to have uh, a very uh, good game, and it really wasn't the game that anyone was expecting. Uh, Buffalo Bills lost, uh, Patriots won, 29-25. Mac Jones uh, had 272, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Allen had 265, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Josh Allen had a rushing touchdown. James Cook, 13 carries, 56 yards. Mondre Stevenson had 9 for 34 yards. Ezekiel Elliott had another touchdown, 11 uh, carries, 31 yards, 1 touchdown. And Demario Douglas had 1 uh, carry for 20 yards rushing. Um, and then the receiving side of things, we saw Stefan Diggs and James Cook receivers uh, getting uh, the touchdown there. And Kendrick Bourne and Mike Gusecki both had touchdowns for the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne had 63 yards and the touchdown Um you know, Demario Douglas had four receptions, 54 yards, uh, and uh, Farrell Brown, two receptions, 51 yards. Ramondre Stevenson, six receptions, uh, 51 um, right there. So um, that is New England's receiving, uh, and we saw uh, New England fumble, one Kendrick Bourne lost, uh, and then one Josh Allen lost. So that's um, interesting uh, right there. Uh, Patriots side of things, we had one sack from Christian Barmore. Um, and then on the uh, other side of things, we had um, one sack from Jordan Poyer for Buffalo. Uh, Jabril Peppers had one interception. Um, and we saw Demario Douglas had one punt return for 25 yards. Uh, Chad Ryland was 3 of 3 on field goals, 2 of 2 on extra points. Uh, Tyler Bass was 1 of 2 on field goals and 2 of 2 on extra points. And Bryce Beringer had 2 Punts for 110 yards, and Sam Martin won for 55. So does this win change things at all for me with the Patriots? Uh, I really don't think so. I got to see how they do in their next game against Miami. If they can win against Miami, then maybe I could see a change. But, you know, I didn't really think, and a lot of people probably didn't think, that they were going to have a season in which they were going to only have one win. Um, and at some point, we were going to have to win games. Um, and um, some of them are probably going to come against teams in our own AFC East. Because those are the teams that we know the best. And so I expected at some point for a win. Um, I didn't really think it was going to be Buffalo. Because Buffalo with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs is just such a dominating force in all of football um and so now the patriots two and five taking on the five and two dolphins uh, i don't really think uh 
It's going to be a good week for the Patriots on that one. I'm not going to say it's going to be a loss 100% because, as we saw with Buffalo, it wasn't a, uh, a win uh, for the Bills. Um, so I don't know if it's 100% a, a loss for the Patriots and a win for the Dolphins. But, you know, it's getting as close to that as I guess you can get. Um, and so if you look at all of the, the game cast, uh, it's uh, looking like an 80% chance that the Patriots lose, um, 19% chance that they win. Um, this game is uh, going to be at home for the Dolphins. It's at Hard Rock Stadium. Um, and we have a couple of players who are questionable. Cole Strange, Keon White, Hunter Henry, Ty Montgomery. Um, and then there's a few questionable for the other side. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mosert, uh, Javon Holland. Um, so who knows uh, if some of those guys are out, then that could change things. And so... Uh, you know, uh, that's a whole new ball of wax. Uh, if we can win this game, you know, uh, maybe that is putting us on the right track. My whole thing with the Patriots, and this is what I believe, is that I don't want the Patriots to have a season in which they just are going out there and, you know, they go and they win a few games and then they miss the playoffs and we don't get a good pick in the draft. Like, if you can win it, have a chance at winning and making the playoffs, then by all means make the playoffs. But I don't want the Patriots to go for it and then just fall short like they've been doing. And then it just is another 15th overall pick and another, you know, just average, like, season. Like, I don't want average. I don't want the Memphis Grizzlies in the, you know, 2010s where they had Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph and they couldn't get past, like, the first round or second round of the playoffs and they weren't that great. Like, I don't want John Wall and Bradley Beal Wizards. I want, like, a team that can make the playoffs and do good. And, you know, if not, like, you got to rebuild, you know. you got to get a good quarterback. And you're not going to get a great quarterback uh, unless you get lucky, you know, in that mid-range. And so, obviously, uh, you know, I think the Patriots uh, should, you know, do uh, what they're doing because it worked against um, the Bills. But... You know, if they're going to go for it, then they can go for it. I just don't want them to, you know, go all in and then just fall short because their team's not good. If they know their team's not good, then just, you know, take the losses and try and get the best pick you can. Because right now we're sitting somewhere in the top 10, and that's pretty good. I would like top 5 a little bit better, but I'll take what we can get. Um, And so, you know, the Patriots have a lot of things to work on uh and one game is not gonna completely change the script but um it was a good game nonetheless and so that's uh, important so i want to now switch gears and look at the boston celtics who had their first game of the season which was uh a win a close win against the new york knicks now there was one play uh at the end of the game that the new york knicks brunson uh and was uh, taking a shot tatum was on him and uh, they ended up calling it a flop on um, on uh, Jalen Brunson. They called a flop on Kristaps Porzingis uh, a few plays before. They called the flop on Brunson, um, which there are a lot of people who are saying that it should have been a foul uh, instead. Um, but uh, long story short, we ended up winning 108-104. Um, the Knicks uh, came back a little bit um, when... Uh, at one point, they were up, I think, by six. But then the Celtics just kind of rolled back in the game and uh, took their victory. 
uh, which was important. Jace Tatum had 34 and 11, uh, which was a great game. Derek White had 12. Jalen Brown had 11. Uh, Al Horford had eight off the bench with seven rebounds. And the new guys, Drew Holiday, had nine points, four rebounds. Um, and Porzingis was uh, the star outside of Jason Tatum. Uh, 30 points and eight rebounds and four blocks. Kristaps uh, Porzingis looks like he fits this team and fits into this team like a glove. And like one of the things that I loved seeing was uh, Holiday uh, or Derek White or someone driving to the basket and then passing it back, kicking it out to an open three-pointer for Porzingis. Porzingis gives them something that they didn't have last year, which is uh, a big... They can not only block and play defense, but also can uh, score. Um, now, one of the things that a lot of people were saying is their bench wasn't really um, what it was or should have been. Uh, it wasn't that good. But, you know, I think it takes time. And they have a pretty solid core of six. And they got some other players in there. Peyton Pritchard can definitely step up. And Sam Hauser can step up and whatnot. But it's a learning process. And the Celtics have to... You know, take it one step at a time. And, you know, it was a great game. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people who are still a little upset with some of these moves that we made to get better. But uh, you have to give to get. And, you know, we got two All-Stars. I mean, Drew Holiday was an All-Star last year. Porzingis has been an All-Star before. You have to kind of give that up, uh, you know, something of value to get, you know, that return. And, you know... Drew Holiday's veteran uh, leadership is going to take the place of, you know, Marcus Smart's veteran leadership, as well as Tatum and Brown stepping up with that veteran leadership role that everybody wants them to kind of step into. And so you have Al Horford, and Porzingis is going to replace a lot of what Robert Williams does and hopefully uh, is a healthier uh, player overall. And uh, if he plays like he did last night, which I don't know if he'll play like that every night, um, that's pretty good. Um, and so, you know, I think the Celtics, uh, they look pretty solid so far. I'm not really complaining. Um, it was a good game, uh, from the, the guys and, you know, this was, uh, this was a, a good one. So, um, for some of the other players, uh, who had their first games, uh, with other teams, we're going to start with the Memphis Grizzlies who lost to the Pelicans. Memphis Grizzlies were the uh, landing spot for a Marcus Smart, who is going to be taking the minutes of uh, John Morant, at least for the time being, um, until he is uh, back from his suspension. Uh, Marcus Smart had 17 points uh, and three assists in the game. He had a great game. He did. But one thing that I think is going to eventually take place is when John Morant does come back, it's going to be a situation where he's going to lose minutes and he's also probably going to uh, not be as productive of a player. Um, last night, Desmond Bain had 31 points, which was a great game for him, but Jaron Jackson Jr. had only 8 points. So if Desmond Bain's shooting lights out and you have Jaron Jackson Jr. playing well and John Morant playing well, how good is Marcus Smart going to play? Um, and yes, he's great on defense, but, you know... Um, he had a solid game. Eventually, it's probably going to wear off, um, you know. But it's good to see him uh, have a good uh, opening uh, possession there. Uh, Dallas Mavericks ended up winning their game 126-119. Uh, um, and uh, 
that was a great performance for them. Uh, we saw starting power forward Grant Williams get 35 minutes, 6 rebounds, 17 points. Now, uh, I will always say this about Grant Williams. He was a great player for the Celtics and probably could have been even better for the Celtics if he got the minutes. Um, and I don't think he got the minutes because there wasn't enough to go around. And so, um, yeah, he is going to thrive in Dallas. And I like uh, the, the fit. I think they needed someone who could play that power forward spot. And, you know, they lost uh, Dorian Finney-Smith when they traded him for the Kyrie deal. And so, you know, I think Grant Williams is such a, a good fit for the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm hoping for uh, the best out of him. Because uh, that's uh, always important. Um, so that's uh, something as well. Uh, we ended up seeing the Portland Trailblazers lose 111-123 to the Clippers. With uh, none of the Celtics guys getting those starts. Uh, Robert Williams had 10 points and 7 rebounds in 23 minutes. Malcolm Brogdon had 20 points uh, in 23 minutes. Um, and then... Uh, Shadion Sharp had 14 off the bench, 18 for Simons as a starter. Um, and Scoot Henderson only had 11 um, and three rebounds. And so, um, obviously, uh, in my opinion, um, you know, Brogdon is the sixth man. And they're going to rely on him a lot because he was sixth man of the year last year. But, again, with Brogdon and Robert Williams, there's a lot of, you know, minutes and players to go around between... Uh, you know, Shady on Sharp, and then Scoot Henderson, Simon Stiebel, uh, Aiton Grant, uh, Jeremy Grant. Uh, they also have uh, Murray, um, and uh, there's a bunch of other guys. So there's a lot of, you know, minutes to go around, a lot of playing time to go around. And so, you know, I think uh, Drew Holiday is going to have a great role with us. I think um, Robert Williams will fit in nicely with Portland. Uh, unfortunately for uh, the Trailblazers, or I guess I should say unfortunately for Robert Williams, he's going to lose out on starting minutes because they brought in DeAndre Ayton uh, when uh, that trade took place um, for uh, Damian Lillard. And so, you know, Robert Williams is not a power forward center. He's not a guy that's going to come in and play minutes at that four. He is going to be a true five, uh, and he's going to be your bench five, and that's probably the role for him unfortunately you know trailblazers had Aiton, and i think robert williams if nurkic was still there probably would have started over nurkic but um Aiton is uh your starter brogdon also you know is not going to start here but he's going to get good bench minutes and you know i think if they need a veteran who's going to come in and score he's going to come in and score but again shady on sharp uh scoot henderson anthony simons they're all young and Portland wants to work with the young guys. They're rebuilding. So, you know, I, I'm happy that, uh, you know, Robert Williams and Brogdon, you know, had pretty good starts. Um, and so uh, we'll kind of monitor what their career is uh, going to be. But we're focused on um, the Celtics and Drew Holiday and, you know, also Kristaps uh, Porzingis. And I think Kristaps Porzingis, if he plays like this, is going to blow everyone out of the water. And come, you know, playoff time, if he's scoring 30 and 8 uh, or scoring, you know, even like 20 and 8, uh, which is probably more realistic, um, you know, that's 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 going to be good. And so, 
Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, not really so much in the regular season, but more so the playoffs, how things work without these guys that were there. You know, without Robert Williams, without Marcus Smart, and how they'll do with guys like Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Because, you know, A, they're going to have new faces in that regard. But B, like Grant Williams is gone, so they're going to have to find someone to take the Grant Williams role um, on the roster. Um, and so, uh, you know, that could be O'Shea Brissett. That could be uh, Jordan Walsh. Uh, who knows? But, um, you know, it was a good win uh, for... Um, for everyone, so that's uh, important. So now I want to switch gears and I want to talk about um, the Red Sox. And the Red Sox have made a very good move coming uh, at the uh, general manager spot. Uh, they have a new chief uh, baseball uh, officer, and so there were a lot of names that were thrown out there as potential options, and many of the top uh, choices, uh, at least on social media and in the news. Uh, we're all uh, either not taking interviews or they weren't interested. Uh, and then the one name that kind of made its way through sort of uh, the, the sort of news uh, reel and the chatter was uh, Craig Breslow, who was a former uh, Red Sox pitcher who also had a very long uh, career of his own. Uh, he won uh, two World Series uh, rings. With the Red Sox, 2013 and 2007, um, and he was with the Chicago Cubs front office. I think he was an assistant general manager in his most recent position. Um, and uh, Breslow was someone who is a homegrown uh, talent, um, and uh, also is. Uh, I think he's from Connecticut um, originally, so uh, he has ties to New England. Uh, which is important. And so uh, for the Red Sox, now they have their guy. And so the question becomes, what will uh, Craig Breslow be? What can we expect? Um, you know, is he going to be someone who emphasizes the, the minor league system? Uh, sort of like Cherim Bloom did. Is he going to be more, let's trade for some stars like Dombrowski was? Is he going to be sort of more in the middle trying to figure out what's the best sort of trades to do. And eventually he'll get something that's a little bit of a, a mix where you might trade for a star here, but you might have a pretty solid farm system. And so I think this is a very good move because you're bringing in a player with that experience. Um, and he is someone who can talk to players uh, on the team and can relate more so than someone who's been a general manager uh in the past or someone who has uh, front office experience but no playing experience on a major league level um, and so that's uh, very important uh, to have someone um, who's kind of in that position um, who has the experience uh, players wise um, and so uh, I've been reading a bunch of articles on this um, and I saw a little bit this comes from uh, Peter Abraham Breslow 43 is well versed in using advanced data and technology to aid in amateur scouting, player development, roster building, and game planning. But at the same time, uh, he has firsthand knowledge of clubhouse dynamics and the need to factor that into decision making. Um, as baseball bends further and further to analytics, executives with the ability to incorporate the human element are a requirement. 
Breslow also adds the experience of having played for the Red Sox, and that almost will certainly prove crucial. So, um, yeah, a lot of people uh, are, uh, you know, happy. They think he might not have the experience, um, but there wasn't a lot of options. Um, I think it's not a bad choice. Uh, Boston Globe's Christopher L. Gasper uh, wrote, The Red Sox have their man. He just doesn't have the experience to inspire total confidence in the choice. Um, Breslow must hit the ground on the dead sprint because the Red Sox face a pivotal offseason and he is easily the least experienced baseball boss they've ever hired, um, according to uh, NBC Sports' John Tomasi. Uh, that includes Theo Epstein, who assumed the job at age 28 in 2002 in Bloom, who had worked as an assistant in Tampa. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's uh, something. So it seems like a lot of people are very uh, a little skeptical uh, but I think it could um, turn out uh, right um, in the end. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's a very uh, interesting uh, situation uh, that the Red Sox going to be in. And I think Craig Breslow can easily sort of uh, try and bring back uh, that winning culture in this organization. And so one of the things I think the Red Sox need to do if they don't want to trade players, they need to spend money in free agency. And obviously there's a lot of options this year and, and you know, there'll be more uh, the following offseason um, as well. Uh, and he's got to pick and choose where the right moves need to be made and where, you know, some moves maybe aren't right and we can kind of steer clear. And so the Red Sox are one of the more... Uh, established franchises with a higher payroll um, and they have money to spend uh, when they need to um, and so I think the Red Sox uh, need some pitching um, and there are other areas maybe in the outfield uh, that we could address and so uh, it'll be interesting to see how Craig Breslow does with all of this um, you know roster building and trades and you know, he doesn't have as much experience as some of the other general managers or baseball operations guys out there. And so, uh, you know, he's coming in uh, kind of fresh. Uh, and, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with that. Uh, he'll, he'll get his footing at some point.